Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Pharmacy Hot Topics, where we will sit down with content matter experts and discuss what is currently top of mind in the world of pharmacy. My name is Kendall Wick, and I'm a P3 pharmacy student at Wingate University School of Pharmacy, and today we'll be chatting about pain management pharmacy. So today we'll be talking with Dr. Molly Howard, a clinical pharmacy specialist at the VA Montgomery, Alabama, Dr. Nick Cox, a clinical assistant professor at the University of Utah College of Pharmacy in Salt Lake City, Utah, and Dr. Kishelle Lawson, a clinical assistant professor at the University of Iowa College of Pharmacy in Iowa City, Iowa, about pursuing careers in pain management. Thanks for joining us today, y'all. So describe your practice and your role as a pharmacist in pain management. And let's start with Kishelle on this one. Okay, thanks, Kendall. I work in an outpatient palliative care clinic And so about 70% of our patients, I would say, are living with severe pain. And usually that's due to a serious illness. And sometimes they have a serious illness and they have a history of chronic pain. Like maybe they had arthritis before they were diagnosed with cancer, for one example. So in my practice setting, I work with physician or advanced practice provider or nurse practitioner in clinic. And the pharmacist's role in clinic is to run the interprofessional huddle. So any learners we have in clinic, we all meet together in the morning before clinic starts. And we invite our medical assistants to join us too, if they have time and sort of go over what's needed for each patient and what's on our radar, what's happened since their last visit and what we want to make sure each member of the team takes care of. So that's sort of how our clinic workflow works. And the pharmacist, of course, is making medication recommendations to optimize the patient's medication therapy. We're doing interviews, asking them about their pain, uh, learning about their experience with pain, and also asking them about their other symptoms since it's palliative care. And then we also are doing a lot of patient education, caregiver education, helping with prior authorizations, <laughs> of course, which are, I think, probably a part of every pharmacy practice these days. Thank you for sharing. So now I'm going to go ahead and go to Nick and ask him to just answer that same question for me. Yeah. So I, in my practice, I'm an ambulatory care pharmacist. I worked at, so a little bit different from Cashel, that I am really not a quote unquote specialist in pain management as far as my role as the pharmacist in the clinic. I work as a primary care, primary care clinic. It's just a community clinic as part of the University of Utah Health System. You know, we have about uh, 12 to 13 primary care physicians and providers. And uh, I'm helping a lot with chronic disease management. I really get involved in pain management in a couple of ways. One is through direct consults and questions. So there are a small handful, I would say maybe five to 10% of my patients are patients that the physicians are having issues with managing their pain, or maybe it's some issues as it relates to opioids, opioid safety. And they'll kind of reach out to me and say, Hey, can you work with this patient? And uh, that might involve coming up with some recommendations, reviewing their pain management experience, their, all their comorbidities and trying to get some best agents and recommendations. And also looking through our opioid safety measures and what we can do to if they are going to be continuing on opioids, which is often, how do we at least make them as safe as we can? 
the second way that I kind of get involved is honestly pain just touches like all patients. Pain is really, you know, we say this with a lot of diseases that you can't treat it in a silo, but it is so true with pain. You cannot treat pain with in a silo because it affects all disease states and so many disease states affect pain. And so just as I'm referred to somebody for diabetes, I mean, I'd say at least half my patients with diabetes are, going, are experiencing some sort of chronic neuropathic pain uh, through the, uh, that I'm helping them manage and deal with. So it's also just something that I touch on, even if I haven't been specifically referred a patient for pain, it's involved. And then the final way that in my practice that I get involved with pain is through various clinic quality improvement initiatives. You know, right now we are looking at how can we provide Vivitrol to clinic? Uh, so we're getting to like medication assistance therapy for patients suffering from opioid misuse and abuse, Suboxone, et cetera. And although that is slightly different than pain management, it's kind of in the same wheelhouse. And so it's kind of like getting involved in helping implement clinic policies, procedures, et cetera. Very interesting and also different. So thanks for sharing. And now um, I'll go to Molly to answer the question also. Thank you, Kendall. My role is a little bit similar to Nick's in that I'm also kind of an ambulatory care clinical pharmacy specialist. I work within the VA in primary care, and the majority of my day is um, direct patient encounters either by the phone or over, um, over video. We use something called VA Video Connect. And relating to pain management, really what I'm able to do kind of similar to what, what Nick spoke about is to make direct adjustments to um, therapeutic regimens for our veterans. And that could be optimization of non-opioid therapies. That could be making recommendations to their providers about their opioid therapies. And in the past, I've also been involved in um, some opioid safety kind of shared medical appointments is what we call them, which is basically, you know, a group where, you know, we discuss various, various topics, one of them being opioid safety. And I've also been involved in kind of answering some electronic consults and making recommendations just kind of in the chart related to patients' pain management. My current role, in my current role, I serve basically different areas in the VA Southeast region relating to clinics that have the highest needs. So it could be that they have a staffing shortage or, you know, a temporary um, leave of absence. And so in that setting, covering remotely, I am um, more of a, I guess, providers are able to consult me and then I'm able to, you know, see patients um, independently as well. But I guess just in summary, I'm, I'm working directly with our patients and providing comprehensive care. Also in patients who have, who have diabetes and other chronic conditions, we're able to focus on, on pain to help take care of the patient as a whole. Thank you, Molly. And I'm glad you guys both brought up pain and diabetes because just learning about that in school, we learned that they have like neuropathic pain, but we don't really go over that they deal with pain on a daily basis. So that's an interesting aspect, very eye-opening. So following that question, I'll go back to Cashel and let me ask, what got you interested in pain management in the first place? And how did you arrive at your current role in pain management? 
Well, I got interested in pain management really from the palliative care perspective because um, palliative care sort of caught my eye in pharmacy school and uh, pain management is a core component of that. I, I would say palliative care and pain management are different specialties. So taking care of patients with serious illness who have pain is is different and there's a different skill set. There's a lot of overlap between what a pain specialist pharmacist would do and a palliative care specialist pharmacist for sure. But they there are some distinguishing uh, roles there. And so uh, how did I arrive at my current role in pain management? Because I got interested in palliative care in pharmacy school and had the opportunity at my pharmacy school to do a pathway focusing on palliative care and geriatrics. I did that. And then I tried to get a rotation in palliative care for my APPEs and I was able to do that. Um, Then in my PGY1, I continued to seek opportunities to do research projects and rotations in pain and palliative care. And I early committed for a PGY2 residency in pain management and palliative care. And then, you know, I really had to decide which way am I going to go, palliative care or pain management? (laughs) And so um, we can talk more about that a little bit later um, in terms of those decisions are hard for students and trainees to make. But I arrived here in academia because I really enjoy teaching about pain management and palliative care, and I enjoy clinical practice as well. Um, And I also wanted to be in a position where I could do research and quality improvement projects. But again, like my core is I feel fortunate that I went to a college of pharmacy that taught a lot of pain management and palliative care, and I wanted to be able to go out and pay that forward. And that's why I ended up in the position I am. And I love ambulatory care, pain management and palliative care pharmacy because you get to develop these long-term relationships with people over time. And so that's a, that's a part of my clinical work that I really enjoy. Thank you for sharing that. So now I'll go to Molly and ask you to answer the same question. Yeah, so I initially became interested in in pain management in my PGY2. I was fortunate enough to be able to rotate through two different um, rotations that were focused on pain management. One was specifically with a pharmacist who saw patients in a pain management clinic, and she actually had her own DEA number and was able to provide opioid refills for patients in between um, them seeing their pain physician. And then I also was able to rotate with another pharmacist who was a pain management pharmacist within an internal medicine clinic who took kind of referrals from the primary care teams there. And I think, you know, that really got some good exposure, gave me some good exposure and really kind of opened my eyes to what pain management could be. And then following my PGY2 and my my initial position, the after the 2016 CDC guidelines came out related to opioid prescribing in the, the primary care setting, I really saw a lot of inappropriate opioid prescribing that was happening, you know, specifically with the veterans that I was already seeing because their opioids and other medications were getting cut down kind of, in my opinion, inappropriately, they may or may not have been tapered or they may or may not have been given alternative agents. And I think seeing that need there for, you know, someone or many, you know, many people ideally 
to kind of step in and help help some of these patients who, in my opinion, weren't really given great alternatives for their pain and their providers were trying to cut down on opioid use really just was a great opportunity for me to apply some of the things that I knew and learned in an area that just was really, really needed. And so I think from that point, I got involved, you know, seeing more patients individually for pain management because I had a fair amount of flexibility with what disease states I managed as long as they were, they were chronic. And so I started, you know, working on pain management for some patients I was seeing already. And then also we started some projects where I was able to see patients um, specifically for pain management as well. And I think, you know, all those things together kind of brought me to where, to where I am, where I really, because of the variety and the different disease states that I'm able to assist with, um, it's really easy for me to integrate pain management really in a population that, that definitely needs it. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, Like this is something that's very current and needs to be going on all over the place. So thank you for sharing your experience with that. And now I'll give it to Nick to share his interest in pain management. Yeah. So I, I got interested and also uh, my current role is I fell prey to that old adage. You'd be careful what you say yes to. So I was a PGY2 in ambulatory care. And honestly, pain was not on my mind at all. I was a PGY2 in ambulatory care during the like the height of the opiate epidemic. And when I say height, like it's still occurring, but it was like the height of the national attention on the opiate epidemic. And uh, our clinic was focused on it. There was a clinic need. And the idea came to be like an idea came up for a pharmacy residency project in related that would target um, some of our patients at our clinic at the highest risk of opiate toxicity. And I said, hey, can we come up with some recommendations? It'll be pharmacist-led. And I said, all right, sounds good. I'll do it. And I got involved and I learned so many valuable lessons from it. And I de- that is where I found my passion is kind of developing that research, um, implementing it, talking to patients, talking to providers, and just finding a need. Like, and it was a, a massive clinic need. And then as often happens, even though I'm in a, like a large health system, I think this is true across the nation. When you start to develop a little bit of expertise, people presume you're like the go-to expert on that topic. So then like, you know, people have a question about opioids and they're like, oh, let's go to Nick. And as I, this is especially as I, you know, turn into a practicing pharmacist in that health system, you know, it, it started to snowball, so to speak. And I started to get in partner with others who were engaged in opioid related research or projects or practice initiatives especially on a bigger scale across the health system. And as the more I did it, the more I loved it. And I love the impact we had on patients and providers. And there are some negative stigmas with these patients. There are real challenges which we'll probably talk through with these patients. And it just, I just loved every aspect. And as I took a role in academia as a faculty member, there was also a need for somebody to kind of walk through that material, that content as it relates to pain, chronic, acute, et cetera. And it allowed me to kind of step into that role. So that's kind of how I got my interest and also how I arrived at my current role and position. That's so exciting that it just sort of fell into your lap, especially as a student. Just hearing that, you know, it makes me want to say yes to everything just to see what might happen. But um, I promise I won't do that all the time. (laughs) So, Molly, what are some of the most rewarding aspects of your role? 
I really love the opportunity that we have in the ambulatory care setting to build relationships with patients and, you know, do that longitudinally so that they, they trust you as their healthcare provider. And I think that's, that's one of the most rewarding pieces to me. And of course you can do that with any disease state, but what I really like related to pain management is more specifically the ability to improve someone's quality of life, right? So going into this, you know, I, I loved and, you know, still do enjoy, you know, cardiovascular risk reduction and let's improve their diabetes and their, their, their blood pressure and their cholesterol and all of these, these other factors, but those things most of the time don't make patients feel better. And so, you know, they may live longer if we get to start their statin, but you know, they may or may not care if they're taking it or not. And so I really, really love that pain management really allows you to see the impact that you're having in a patient's life related to just, yeah, improving their quality of life. But I would say, the other thing that I enjoy in my position is, is the variety. So I, because I do like to, I guess, dabble in a variety of different disease states, you know, pain management has helped me, you know, have a, another opportunity for something to, you know, research and to, you know, try to become more of an expert in throughout the last several years. And that's, that's something that I've really enjoyed as well. That sounds so rewarding. And it's nice to hear that, a pharmacist, they're still always learning and school just never ends. But let's flip that and go to what are the most challenging aspects of your role? And Michelle, if you'd like to answer this question. Well, I'm going to go back to what Nick, something that Nick said, which is one of the most challenging aspects of my role. Um, I agree that it's incredibly rewarding to improve people's quality of life. That 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 drives, you know, that drove me into the specialty. But the challenging part for me is when I, I know some things that might help that might make it better, and we can't get those things for patients. And the other piece that I find really challenging that, that is even harder sometimes is the stigma that our patients experience. And the people with pain experience stigma all throughout our healthcare system and in our society. And this is largely gotten worse uh, with the way we've responded to the opioid epidemic and a lot of the false narratives out there about the opioid epidemic and opioids in general. And so when you see patients being harmed by the system and uh, experience hearing stories of how they experience stigma when they pick up prescriptions at the pharmacy or, you know, from another provider, um, that's really distressing. And I think we also, in subtle, small ways, some of the language that we use also contributes to stigma that they experience and suffering on their part. And with the CDC guidelines, going back to something Molly said, you know, those resulted in a lot of things like she described, such as forced tapers of opioids. And yet we still can't get enough PT visits, physical therapy visits covered for patients. Sometimes we can't get them access to the non-drug therapies that we know based on evidence may help their pain. And then they're sort of blamed when they take medications. So th that is all very distressing. And I would say that it helps to have a community of people to 
uh, commiserate with, if you will, and to talk to and to think through strategies. And I think as all pharmacists, we need to continue to advocate for policy changes related to pain management and opioids. I would just echo the comments that have been made as far as the challenges. The, the only other thing I would add is, you know, for many, this will also be considered one of the most rewarding aspects, but these patients just have life pain. And I, and I, that's a, a term I'm, I, it's a term I'm stealing from my old residency director, Karen Gunning. She, she uses that term a lot, like life pain. These patients, their lives are complicated. And we think back to school when we learned about opioids and, and, and pain agents, and it, like it was a simple test question and hey what drug is best for this patient it's like oh abcd yeah switch it from that drug put them on this drug their lives are so much more complicated and uh, certainly everybody's life is complicated but i would say that when we're talking about patients with chronic pain especially they do have just some challenging aspects there is such a great association with mental health uh comorbidities and just th- they have challenges they have economic challenges socioeconomic challenges a lack of social support and it just leads to this like confluence of events to that yeah their life has so many challenges and it is really tough to navigate and to get the quote-unquote best therapies for these patients and i i don't say that that's uh, is a is a huge negative like oh they're horrible to work with but i think people need to be aware when you go into this this type of practice you're gonna have to kind of get your hands dirty with these patients' real life struggles and challenges and to try and lift them and help them and support them as, you know, and certainly they're the key participants in that, but you want to be a great aid for them. And so it's just being aware it's, it's ripe with opportunities to make a difference, but, you know, they have some real life challenges that can be challenging to work with. I, I think like to that, to your point, Nick, one thing that it's easy for abled people who, you know, aren't living with chronic pain or, or something else um, who are working, you know, it's easy for us to overlook. But if you're faced in a situation where you can't work and you think about how our society views work, not only does it impact your socioeconomic status, but there's also this dignity, this loss of dignity that that patients experience. And, you know, how, how can they find meaning in not being able to do the thing that they they did for so many years and now they can't do it. And I, I think that uh, we we don't listen and, and try to to understand enough in a lot in a lot of healthcare settings. And so it is it's an honor to be able to to hear what they're saying. And it's a frustration that we can't get them all the resources that they need all the time. So I think that I hear from pharmacists who practice pain management years before I was around, that there used to be these really comprehensive pain clinics where they would have, you know, a clinical psychologist and a physical therapist and occupational therapist and all those things. And and those aren't funded that way anymore in this country. And so I know at our pain clinic here, we're lucky to have a couple of psychologists that focus on patients living with pain. And so they do acceptance and commitment therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy to help patients learn how to to live with pain. And none of the analgesics we have will take the pain completely away, right? So I think a lot of what all three of us do is help set expectations as well, um, because when those are mismatched, that can cause more suffering, mismatch with what's possible. So I think we do need more. Pharmacists have a key role in pain management as part of an interprofessional team. 
Yeah, so going off that point, Cashel, what type of opportunities do you see for pharmacists working in pain management moving forward? Well, I I think that I'd like to see all pharmacists doing what Molly and Nick have done, like really providing pain management and primary care. And then we also need more specialists in pain management that primary care providers can refer people to when, when that's needed. And to that end, I'm really excited that the Board of Pharmacy Specialties is conducting a role delineation study in pain management pharmacy. This is a crucial step that BPS will take to evaluate the feasibility of developing a certification in a specific pharmacy specialty area. And so depending on the outcome of this role delineation study, they'll decide if they'll issue a call to our profession to petition for specialty recognition of pain management pharmacy practice. And why am I excited about that? Well, as a as a PGY1 resident, someone asked me, well, what are you doing next year? And I said, oh, I early excitedly, oh, I early committed for PGY2 and pain management and palliative care. And that person was a director of pharmacy somewhere, not at my hospital. I just met them at a meeting. And they said, oh, all my pharmacists do pain management. And I thought, well, that's great. But also I kind of felt like I was just told that what I decided to specialize in wasn't a specialty. And, you know, that was my perspective and and how it made me feel. Um, And I think that, you know, we still feel like we're not recognized as a specialty. And like I said, we need all pharmacists to care about pain management and and have expertise in pain management, just like cardiology. And then we also need uh, to be recognized as a specialty of pharmacy, just like cardiology is. So I'm very excited about that. And I think that pharmacy residents and new practitioners will be excited about that, as well as pharmacists who have really been working for the specialty to be recognized. It's a recognized specialty in medicine, but you know, it's not in pharmacy. So Um, the, the other thing is that in several states, pharmacists are granted license authority through state boards and the DEA to prescribe controlled substances, including C2s. And so I would say without this authority, a collaborative practice agreement for a pain management pharmacist has limited practicality and usefulness. So I hope to see that expand. It's at nine states as of June 8th, uh, when the DEA uh, last updated their list. So hopefully we'll see that expand to more states. And I think that that's also an exciting opportunity for pharmacists. Yeah, I can see why you're so excited because it sounds like things are moving in the right direction. But Molly, what what about you? What opportunities do you see in pain management? You know, I think I agree with um, Cashel in that there really is a need for both, you know, people kind of like Nick and myself who are a little bit more, you know, generalists and practicing generally and then the specialists like Hachelle. But I think in the, the primary care setting, I really think that opportunities for pharmacists are, are endless because they really kind of like what Hachelle described is that they're there's a shortage of those, um, you know, this, the true specialty clinics, you know, they do exist in some places, but the ones that have all of those, uh, all the resources and, you know, able to offer true interdisciplinary care. And that's true within the VA setting as well. You know, you may, some of the larger facilities have those 
those types of clinics, but a lot of the smaller facilities don't. And I think a lot of your um, primary care physicians are really uncomfortable with pain, especially because of the increased focus on opioid use in the last several years. And so I think that there are so many opportunities for pharmacists in the setting to try to bridge bridge that gap and help, you know, maybe maybe empower some of the primary care providers to have a little more confidence and provide some education related to their own pain management, but then also to, you know, if your state offers an opportunity to obtain a DEA number to be able to work more directly with those patients as well. But I think it's it's definitely kind of a, a gap in our, our healthcare system, I think, related to just kind of the bridge between those primary care and the specialty care providers, because not everyone has uh, is able to access um, the specialty care as they need it for sure. And so I really think that it it would be a great a great area for for pharmacists to expand into a little bit more primarily. Yeah, I think you guys have brought up some great topics today and have brought a lot of insight, especially to me about pain management. So I want to ask each of you this last question. And it's what advice would you have for pharmacy students like me, uh, residents, practicing pharmacists who are just interested in getting more involved in pain management? And we can start with uh, Nick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'll start by specifically addressing students. So what could a pharmacy student do is interested in getting more involved in pain management? I'd say if you're interested, just start by like talking to somebody who's practicing in pain management, you know? It could be shadowing them or it could be just sitting down for 30 minutes, an hour, and just asking them about their job. What's their day-to-day like? If you're not sure how to find that person, look at who teaches your pay module, you know, and ask that person, hey, is it anybody you know that I could go speak with? Now, certainly when it comes to pharmacy school and a pharmacy student interest, the appies will tell all. So if you're really interested, sign up for an appy and uh, see if you can get an experience where you're involved you know, participating in care with a pharmacist who is actively engaged in pain management. And that's really going to help you dictate your uh, interest. You know, there are other things like I know there are some internships that you can get um, paid or unpaid in a, in a pain setting. And I would say that's great if you can get those, but I know they're limited. So, but don't let that be a stumbling block or a barrier to you. You know, if you don't get an internship in pain management, don't feel like you can't get into the career of pain management. So I'd say that's just some basic starting things, especially the appies is a great place to start. That's great advice. Thank you. So now, Kishel, what, what about you? What advice do you have? Well, I'll take the residents. So um, I would say, again, you as a resident, ask for a rotation in pain management. If you can't get one in pain management, ask about opioid stewardship. Opioid stewardship and pain management are different things, but you will still be exposed to a lot of the same medication-related issues and from a leadership and administration perspective. You could also ask for a research project in either of those areas, and that will give you an opportunity to network with people in your residency who are doing some pain management work as well. And then another thing that you could do is subscribe to some, and students could do this too, actually, subscribe to some journals that publish research in pain management. So you can sign up for their table of contents, for example, or if you use an app, you can, you know, put in your keywords for the app and and follow it that way. A couple of other things you could do, um, and this is what really helped me when I was struggling with 
where do I fit? One of my mentors suggested that I read the studies in the different specialties that I was interested in. Do I want to be reading that literature for the rest of my professional life? Uh, Pharmacy is a a versatile career, so you can always change specialties. I'm not saying that, but I thought it was great advice because it really did help me decide some things. And then the other thing that they recommended is going to professional meetings. Every specialty has its own culture and you really get a sense of the culture at their professional meetings. And so as it relates to pain management, of course, um, at ASHP mid-year, we'll have sessions on pain management. So I encourage residents and students to go to those. A great place to network with pharmacists who are also interested in those areas. But then there's also some interprofessional meetings that you could look into the U.S. Association for the Study of Pain and the International Association for the Study of Pain are both meetings that are interprofessional and include clinicians in pain management. And then there's some regional meetings too. I know because I'm in the Midwest, the Midwest Pain Society has a meeting every year um, in Chicago usually, and students are invited to that meeting as well as residents. And then there is a Society for Pain Management and Palliative Care Pharmacists. And so they have a virtual conference once a year that is quite affordable for students and residents. So I'd recommend looking into that as well. They also often have a reception at mid-year. So that's a great opportunity for residents and students. And as Nick mentioned, find a mentor in pain management. I you can always reach out to the pain management and palliative care SAG, and we can connect uh, you if you're a student resident or a current practitioner looking for a mentor in pain management. We can connect you with someone. Thank you, Chatel. So, Molly, I will leave it with you to finish off this question. Yeah, and I'll focus a little bit more on current um, practicing pharmacists. And I think you know, there's some similar themes with what Kashella and Nick already mentioned related to, of course, finding a mentor. So if you think you want to, you know, expand into pain management services, definitely reaching out to someone who's been doing it or, you know, has recently tried to do the same thing. I agree with Kashell that there are a lot of different opportunities to, or a lot of different places that those mentors can be identified. And um, our section advisory group is always happy to help assist with that. ASHP also has a pain management certificate as well. And I think um, that would be something to kind of delve into as an opportunity to learn more about the specialty. And I think, you know, hopefully we will get approved for a specific board certification soon, like Michelle mentioned. And I think that that, you know, that would be a great opportunity to try to differentiate yourself and kind of dive, dive into the specialty too. But I think if you're, if you're working at trying to expand into a pain management practice, there are a few other things that are really important to keep in mind. Um, One of the biggest ones being making sure to clearly define define what you want to do and what your role should be. And I think that should be a discussion, of course, that's had with some of the facility leadership and making sure that your, you know, what you want to do kind of aligns with facility goals, because I think that's a, a better way to help identify, you know, resources and, and other key stakeholders who may be willing to help you, but you also want to make sure that you don't just end up getting getting referred all the complicated pain patients that your that your clinic has or your practice site has. 
without some type of criteria to make sure that they're truly patients that that you would be able to to help because I think that you don't want to there's because there are a lot of complicated patients that aren't always the the most types of the most favorite types of patients for providers to deal with you want to make sure that your roles are clearly clearly defined with that and I think you know if you are looking at expanding in that way in your in a current practice always make sure to see about you know starting to track data as well and showing your your worth so if you're focusing on certain metrics whether that's opioid stewardship or you know decreased opioid use in general or kind of what your what your focus is making sure that you know, you're, you have a mechanism for tracking your outcomes and maybe including some learners with that. Cause that's sometimes a, you know, a really onerous part of a project is, is making sure that's tracked. And so that you could potentially publish or like I said, kind of demonstrate, demonstrate your worth. But I think, you know, getting some eager pharmacy students and pharmacy residents involved in a project like that as, as well is always, is always good. But I think, you know, in summary, Really, there's ample opportunity for all, you know, all of these folks, our pharmacy students, our residents, and our our new practitioners, or even longstanding practitioners who are wanting to do something a little bit different to find some great opportunities in pain management. Yeah, thank you all so much for the great advice and insight into this pain management career as a pharmacist. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. So I just want to thank again, Dr. Molly Howard, Nick Cox, and Cashel Lockman for joining us today to discuss careers in pain management. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP's online resources. You can find member-exclusive offerings such as Preceptor Toolkit, the Research Resource Center, Clinical Pharmacy Resources, and more. Thanks again for tuning in to this session of Hot Topics in Pharmacy, and we hope you've enjoyed today's conversation. Be sure to subscribe to ASHP's podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.